or two verses. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have not only provided us with this Christian life that we are so blessed to live and to experience and hear as we worship you this morning, all of these things that we cry out to you of your faithfulness, of your goodness, of the Father that you are, all of these things are not words on a page to us. They are realities in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue, not only in the providing of these things, but then taking us by the hand and walking us out into the fullness of this Christian life. And we pray that you would use our time this morning in your word to do exactly that. We pray for this work of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The Apostle Paul is uh, bringing this letter to the church at Philippi to uh, uh, a gradual close. And uh, here you have this letter dominated and united really, I think, by the theme of joy. And for the most part, he closes his letter now with these series of encouragements or exhortations that uh, he wrap, kind of in a rapid fire way uh, uh, puts out to us, and especially in this section we're in. And last week we examined Paul's instruction uh, concerning one of the greatest threats to uh, joy in our lives, and that is conflict in our interpersonal relationships. And uh, from that, in our text this morning, he moves on to another great threat to joy in our lives, and, and that is anxiousness or worry. And I think about what invaluable uh, instruction the Holy Spirit gives us here given the fact that we the world that we live in, uh, and even for us as Christians, it is a, a world that uh, experiences anxiousness and it experiences worry far more than it experiences joy or it experiences peace. In fact, uh, even beyond the uh, high percentage of people who consider themselves to be under normal or significant stress in life, uh, in the United State, States, according to the statistics, anxiety disorders are the most common mental health concern now. Fully 19% of our population, over 40 million adults, have an anxiety disorder. Uh, last year in October, the American Psychological Association survey revealed that 27% of Americans are so stressed that they cannot function uh, fully. And this isn't just unique to the United States of America. It characterizes the uh, entire world. The latest Gallup poll, and they, uh, they do polling on this every year. Uh, they gave the headline, the world, world unhappier, more stressed out than ever. And uh, to its findings, it declared that four in 10 adults worldwide said they uh, experience a, a lot of worry, 42% or stress, 41%, uh, 
and uh, these are setting uh, these set new category uh, highs in terms of of the polling and all of these things are setting record highs and anxiety is at an epidemic level in the world and within our culture i think there's a lot of reasons for it and uh, uh, but i don't think we were ever meant uh, to live the lives that we live uh, in this this world as somebody said to me years ago life began in a garden and we're very far from that garden not merely in terms of the fall, but in terms of how life is. I'm not certain that we are meant to know as much as we know, carry as much as uh, we carry. The world is so big and the problems are so great. So none of this, of course, surprises us. In the United States, the greatest causes for worry, according to the latest polling, included uh, financial, that is the economy, the cost of living, uh, debt, uh, job security, uh, the future, including the direction of the country, uh, crime, and public uh, safety. And one of the wonderful things, of course, about being a Christian is that we never worry. Uh, after all, we're Christians. We have this big God that we read about in the Bible, and we have all of his promises to claim and to hold on to. And of course, I'm, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, being a Christian doesn't make us immune to anxiousness or to worry. And uh, the obvious case in point is that Paul is writing this to a group of Christians in the city of Philippi. And uh, so clearly this is something that, uh, that all of us, even as Christians, uh, deal with. I mentioned the statistics, and you could go on all day long reading the statistics. These these statistics are alarming. People in uh, 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 sociologists, people in mental health, people in uh, all kinds of areas in, in life because they don't see the trends uh, turning. But I, I mentioned the statistics just to prime the pump a little bit to give us a sense for the context that we live in as Christians and a, and a glimpse at uh, the, the level of anxiety and worry that dominates the world, dominates our nation, and, and to recognize this is the context that we can become uh, used to, and, and this is the, the, the context that, uh, that speaks of how necessary what Paul and the Holy Spirit have to say here about this, how important it is uh, to us. And so when I mention uh, that the uh, Holy Spirit declares to us as Christians here, uh, be anxious for nothing uh, in light of our own life experience, in light of our own observations of the world around us, uh, that really gets our attention. Uh, And uh, and, uh, the attention, I think, of any thinking person. And uh, I think in terms of a promise or a call like this, be anxious for nothing, we're either going to laugh it off as the kind of thing that, of course, uh, God ought to, if God exists, he ought to have something like this uh, in the Bible. Uh, But we should never, ever take it so seriously as to think that it is a potential for uh, for our lives. Uh, Or we will, uh, on the other hand, uh, sit up straight in our pew in the church at Philippi at the Paul's words of be anxious for nothing and give him our full attention. 
When he says be anxious for nothing, it means uh, do not be anxious or worrying about anything. Uh, there is a Greek scholar by the name of Kenneth Wiest, and his resources are outstanding, by the way. And, and he writes of this, the Greek construction indicates that we have here a prohibition which forbids the continuance of an action already habitually going on. So Paul is really saying here, stop uh, worrying. He's not dealing in the theoretical. And we all deal with worries all the time in our lives. And so uh, uh, he is uh, talking about something that is, uh, we all understand and something that can mark our lives. And here I think it's important to recognize uh, that when Paul states this by the Holy Spirit, he uh, states it as a commandment, uh, not as a, a suggestion. I think very often we can read this and we can brush it off as a suggestion. And if we do that, or that it's some kind of a theoretical pie in the sky in the sweet by and by thing, then we will never ever take uh, this issue of worry or anxiousness in our life seriously, and we will never address it. Uh, we will just always work to keep it at some kind of a manageable level in our lives in which we can just function uh, and get by in life, but that's not what God has for us uh, as Christians. It's a command, and, and as, as much a command as every other command in the Bible. Uh, to realize here in the form of a command that it is a sin to worry, uh, as Christians, it is to miss the mark, and that's what sin is. It is to settle for a quality of, of Christian life that is far below the quality of Christian life that God intends for each of us if we just allow a worry or anxiousness to run rampant and unaddressed uh, in our, our lives. And the reason this is important to uh, make clear uh, is, as I've mentioned already in passing, is to keep us from settling into a life of anxiousness in which we just look at this as an inescapable part of life. And so we never address it, we never take it seriously, and then we'll uh, say, well, I guess I'm just a worrier. Or we'll say, someday when we're in heaven, uh, I won't worry, but I'm not in, in heaven uh, yet, and so I need to do that now. And the wor it, to the degree that worry exists in my life, it exists in my life at the expense always of peace and then always of joy. And, and the Lord wants us to live a life of peace and a life uh, of, of joy. And so uh, it, that's what he has for us, peace and joy, even in the most worrisome times in life. And that ends up constituting most of life for most of us. And, uh, and another problem with worry is not just how destructive and miserable it is for us emotionally and, uh, and, and mentally, but it also exposes spiritual deficiencies uh, in our lives. And so it reflects on some uh, shallowness of understanding uh, in my life. It reflects upon how well I really know God or I really uh, trust God. And, and that is how much of what I know about God uh, in my noggin and in my head 
and how much of that knowledge in my noggin in my head has dropped that most important 18 inches in life, and that is from my mind down into, uh, into my heart and into the daily and the practical of our lives. And uh, uh, that is not just something I know about God, but has become a living part of my relationship with the Lord. And so worry always, uh, especially as he's talking about it here, protracted worry uh, always betrays a lack of confidence in God. Now please understand, I am not talking down to anyone in this room today. Uh, I'm just saying what he says here, and I'm speaking to myself uh, as well. So it's not some perch in which uh, I have attained, and then here I am declaring this uh, to, uh, to others. And so, uh, and so that's the clarity of the passage. Another problem with worry uh, in the life of a Christian is how it reflects upon God and how it reflects upon God uh, before uh, watching family members, watching friends, watching co-workers in our lives, uh, a watching world all around us. And it communicates to them, and they really do get it, uh, that while we believe in God, and while we boast in Him, we love Him, and, and we boast in His power, we boast in His greatness, that where the rubber meets the road, we really don't believe that He can or He will uh, take care of us, or that His promises uh, to, pr to provide for us and to protect us are promises He is going uh, to be faithful too. And so concerning worry in our lives as Christians, it's important to realize that uh, his reputation before the unsaved world is very much at, at stake and that a worrying Christian is very bad advertising and unnecessarily bad advertising uh, for Christianity and it's a poor reflection upon God. Now, all of this is not forbidding a a deep and a genuine concern uh, over something or someone in our lives. And the way that an air traffic controller uh, uh, should be over the potential overlap of planes that are either landing or, or taking uh, off, or as an oncologist might concerning the progress of a cancer in uh, a patient of hers or, or his or that a police officer might have about the danger that's involved in heading into a, a call related to do, a, a domestic dispute. All of that falls into the category of diligence. It's a part of uh, preparing for addressing something uh, under my control with calmly and then productively. Uh, that, that diligence there and that conscientiousness and concern uh, is more mental than emotional. Paul wrote of this thing, and, and he differentiates between this kind of a, a concern related to a situation that I'm in, and then worry in our lives when he wrote to the church at Corinth, uh, listing all of the things that he had gone through in, uh, in his life and ministry. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, he said, beside uh, the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches. Worry is typically uh, the kind of fruitless 
emotional hang, hand-wringing over something I feel like I have no control over or something that overwhelms me. Uh, the word anxious in, in, in its original language is der- derived from a Greek word that means anxiety, care that brings disruption to the personality and the mind. Uh, it means to pull or to draw in different directions. And so it is something that pulls us apart emotionally. It pulls us apart uh, mentally. And yet somehow uh, the goofy thing about worry is it feels as if we're accomplishing something uh, by doing it. I hope I'm not alone uh, in, in that, uh, that feeling. It feels like, well, uh, everything is out of my control in this situation, but at least I can worry uh, r- related to it. At least I'm doing something. And that falls under the old category of do something even if it's wrong. And I, I, I ascribe to that uh, in this kind of a category sometimes. And, and I am doing something, but what I'm doing is destructive. And it is, it is completely unproductive, and, and it does not do anything to resolve my actual cause uh, for worry. Um, one of my favorite sayings, it doesn't have to be one of your favorite sayings, certain things stick with us through the years, and they can be corny for one person and helpful for another. But I always like the saying, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. And I found that to be quite true of of worry in in my life. But as Christians, uh, we have to, uh, we have a far better way to engage our problems and to do so effectively. So the Holy Spirit, in terms of this issue of worry or this issue of anxiousness, he doesn't stop with stop worrying. He directs us now to a productive way of addressing worry in our lives. And we need a productive way uh, to uh, address it. It needs to be met uh, with, with something. Sometimes I think in terms of <clears throat> understanding the quality of the counsel and instruction that God gives us in His Word uh, is of m- most appreciated uh, when we can hear uh, sometimes what uh, the world offers as a solution to worry. Uh, another uh, one of those sayings that I've always liked, and somehow I, I relate to it a little bit, uh, somebody wrote, the best way to forget about all your problems is to wear a pair of tight shoes. <laughs> and just bring something even more painful into your life. Uh, There's the story of the man who was worrying all of the time. He was a chronic worrier. Everybody knew he was a chronic worrier. And one day his friends saw him walking down the street whistling. And they said, can that be our friend? No, it can't be. And then they looked at him closer and they said, yes, it is. And they approached him and they asked him, what happened? Uh, And he said, I'm paying a man to do my worrying for me. And, uh, and they said, you mean you aren't worrying anymore? He said, no, whenever I'm inclined to worry, I just let him do it. And they asked, well, how much do you pay him? He said, $2,000 a week. They said, wow, how can you afford that? He said, I can't, but that's his worry. <laughs> so, 
I remember a Christian minister who created quite a stir several years ago by telling his congregation uh, that instead of worrying all through the day to just set aside 10 minutes for intensive worry uh, and kind of cram it into that 10 minutes in, in order uh, to be free the rest of the day. Clearly, this is someone who has given up uh, <laughs> at all in terms of, uh, of addressing uh, the issue. Uh, instead of worrying about our problems, uh, Paul tells us we're to make our requests known to God. That is, we're to pray to God. And so here we're introduced to the one thing and, and the only thing that exists that worry has to give way to. And the one thing it has to give way to is prayer uh, to God. You notice that the uh, word that Paul uses here about that prayer, that word everything, we're to bring every cause for worry in our lives uh, to him in prayer. And it's important to realize there is nothing uh, that is, might be so small in the eyes of others uh, that is so small that we shouldn't bring it to God uh, in prayer in terms of, of worry. Paul, uh, Peter wrote and he said, casting all your cares upon him that is upon God, for he cares for you. It's wonderful to realize that God is concerned about every single thing in our lives uh, that uh, causes us uh, anxiousness. Nothing is too big to bring uh, to God in this regard. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to his power that works in us. There is nothing, no problem that is so great in our lives that we can't take that uh, to him and have him replace uh, our, our worry with his peace. I remember a, 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 a illustration that Bill McDonald, when he was teaching on prayer at the church when we were downtown, he's now with the Lord, and uh, in teaching on prayer and teaching about bringing big things to God uh, without guilt, he told the story of Alexander the Great, who used to have a day where he would sit out in an open court and uh, people would come from his kingdom and they would make requests of him. And one day a man came and, uh, and he uh, was brought to Alexander the Great and Alexander the Great said, what do you want? He said, I'd like a farm for myself, I'd like a dowry for my wife, and I'd like an education for my son. And Alexander the Great said, granted. And afterward, some of his assistants uh, asked Alexander the Great, why did you give that saucy farmer what he asked for? And Alexander the Great said, because he asked big. He said, I get tired of these people who come asking for a gold coin. Uh, that saucy beggar treated me like a king. And uh, so God's not put off by uh, these things that we bring to uh, him. Our, our worries and our concerns that we bring to him, uh, he has a great concern about that. You notice the four forms our prayers are to take here, as we've noticed requests in the form of, of lifting up requests to God. He then mentions prayer. This is a reference to general prayer uh, in our lives, talking with God. 
And prayer is simply that, talking with God as naturally as we would talk uh, to any, any friend, uh, talking to God about everything, everything that is on our hearts. All of the sorrows in life, all of the things that we're thinking, all of the things that we're feeling, uh, all of the details of, of life, the daily life and the troubles and our observations in life. He talks about lifting up our supplications to God, and supplications refer to uh, making specific needs, uh, uh, requests of God related to needs in our life, whether in our life or supplicating for other people and the needs that are in, in their lives. And so specific requests being made to God. And then he said we're to do so, to include in our prayer, uh, thanksgiving. And so thanksgiving reminds me of all of the things that I have to be thankful for in life no matter what it is that's threatening my peace or my joy or causing me worry in my life uh, at the moment. So to thank God for the fact that He loves me, that He's with me, that He's for me, to thank God for my salvation, to thank God for the privilege of knowing Him, all of the blessings in our lives as we've sung about them, His faithfulness, His goodness in our life, unceasing, unfailing, uh, in, in our lives, and then all of the other blessings uh, of life. And, and Paul teaches that in every worrisome uh, circumstance, there is uh, something and usually much to be thankful for. He wrote to the church in Thessalonica, be in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. He wouldn't tell us to give thanks in everything unless there was cause for thanksgiving in everything, even in seasons where uh, the circumstances are uh, producing uh, great worry or anxiousness in our lives. And this thankfulness is not only polite, but it is uh, faith-producing uh, within our lives to uh, remember uh, and, and thank Him for how faithful He's been to us through all of our past trials, all of our difficulties, what that does for us. And thankfulness and, and the, the remembrance of past goodness and faithfulness of God in our lives, it assures us that when we face new trials and difficulties uh, that would produce worry or anxiousness in us, that we aren't facing that as if we're facing that for the first time without any history with God. All of us, when we face these things that cause us worry or anxiousness, uh, we have been through things already with God. We've already experienced His faithfulness, His goodness, and His power, His love in our lives. And, and that thankfulness reminds us of that it encourages our faith uh, for this trial or difficulty as well. Amazing grace, of course, the famous line, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Twas worry that brought me safe thus far, and anxiousness will lead me home. No, twas grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. We all have that history, and that's why uh, that line resonates in our hearts when we sing uh, Amazing Grace. 
and, uh, and it's important for our perspective and, and faith in our Christian lives. The word requests that Paul speaks about here, it reminds us that while we're uh, free and open uh, in our prayers to God concerning uh, all of those things that might be causing us uh, anxiousness and free to lift those up to God, even ask Him uh, to deliver in a certain way or to provide for me in a certain way. Uh, we are never to offer those prayers to God uh, threateningly uh, or demandingly. We lift up our needs, we make them requests to Him uh, with the recognition uh, that He will then answer that prayer uh, as is best for, uh, He knows is best for me. So it's okay to, to suggest, it's okay to say, it's okay to petition, uh, but it's not okay uh, to use this uh, prayer to demand or, or to uh, threaten, just to then uh, pray and then rest in His wisdom to a a answer them according to what He knows is best for me. And with the confidence in God, uh, that as one old Puritan put it, God, nothing does nor suffers to be done, but what thou wouldest thyself do, couldst thou see the end of all he does as well as uh, he. So uh, for those of us who are not English literature uh, majors, it translates just as well. God answers all my prayers the same way that I would answer them if I had his wisdom, power and love and to walk in that confidence on the, on the basis of those petitions and requests and and supplications i am almost as thankful for the prayers that god hasn't answered in my life the way that i suggested as the ones that he did and that i think is most of our experiences uh, as well. There would be, uh, I, I, I would probably end up uh, dying and there would be many other fatalities in the history of, of man. My counsel was so ill-advised to him on how to handle it. And then I see him, what he ends up doing and disregarding my uh, requests out of a, a love for me uh, is so much better. Now notice in verse 17, the remarkable promise associated uh, with uh, this. That word and, it introduces this promise. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, that is human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so, if we will bring uh, our causes for anxiety, uh, in our lives to God in prayer, God then promises to exchange that anxiety and that worry uh, with His peace. And so, what's the great need that we have when we're anxious? The great need that we have is peace. And uh, how peaceful, he talks about uh, the peace of God. How peaceful do you suppose God is right now? He's very peaceful. Uh, and because there's nothing beyond his control. Uh, in, in order to experience peace, I have to have uh, some place 
that I can put, or someone that I can put my trust in who is greater than everything that could threaten my peace in life. And, and only God uh, is qualified and able to do that. So God is very, very uh, peaceful. And this is a remarkable exchange uh, that he's willing to make here to exchange our uh, anxiousness with his peace. Now, if you're not a Christian here this morning, the first step for you to experiencing the peace of God is to come to know peace with God. It's important for you to understand with all of the worries and the anxiousness that marks your life, marks everybody's life, to, to, um, uh, uh, to realize that God never intended a single human being to live even one minute of life apart from him. He's never intended that to happen. Every single one of us needs God to be able to navigate the fallenness of this life and the fallenness of our own flesh. And so there has to begin with the uh, uh, having, coming to have peace with God, to end my rebellion against Him, uh, to, to, uh, and to put my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins, and then to come into His family. And now I have peace with God, and only then can I know the peace uh, of God. And so the place for you related to peace is to give your life to Christ this morning. Come into a relationship with God. Come into a relationship with the only one who is bigger uh, than all of your problems and the problem that you are. Uh, and most of us are our own biggest problems. And then having come into the family, then the, the Lord will uh, infuse this uh, peace of, of God uh, into your life in exchange for your anxiousness. The peace of God is described here as a peace that surpasses all understanding. There is a peace, a certain quality of peace, that comes with understanding, that comes with human understanding, but it's an inferior peace. But we all know it, we've all experienced it uh, in our lives where uh, we're up against some insurmountable problem in terms of our own resources, and then uh, somebody, whether it's a doctor or a financial advisor or whoever it might be, uh, they let us know, here are the odds of this thing happening or not happening in terms of your anxiousness. And then with that understanding, it has an impact upon uh, my peace and can reduce uh, my peace. But my focus is still upon myself and my own resources in the situation. And it's not a, on, on God. So it's, it's going to be a vastly inferior uh, and short-lived peace. Here is a, a, a supernatural peace that God himself promises to introduce into our lives. And here's how it works. As we pray to God about this worrying situation that is going on in our lives. And praying again is just simply talking to God in the same way that we would externally process with a friend. 
and, and to do that with, with the Lord. You say, I don't know that you can really do that with, uh, with, with God, uh, that we can have that kind of familiarity. Yes, we can. Uh, he, it, it, we're told that we, uh, we are to make it known to God uh, here in, in, in verse 6, and we're to make known what is causing our anxiety, make it known to God as if He knows nothing about it. Now, He knows everything about it. So we don't pray and we don't kind of unload and external process uh, with Him and engage in Him in this conversation for His benefit, but we do so for our benefit because we have a need to talk about these, uh, these things to someone, and we have a need to talk about these things to someone who can actually understand. And when we find ourselves in a real pickle, in a situation that creates real anxiousness and worry in our lives, one of the great problems we have is finding some human being that we can talk to who will understand where I am in this and how it's impacting me. And of course, no human being can do that. But God can do that. And so we talk to Him about everything about it uh, and uh, that, that, he, uh, that is on our hearts to a need to say it to someone and to say it uh, to Him. Now, the psalmist in Psalm 62, 8 wrote, uh, Trust in Him, that is the Lord, at all times, you people. And then he said, Pour out your heart before God. And that's speaking of prayer. God is a refuge for us. Selah. That word pour out in the Hebrew language, it literally means to spill. Uh, my twin brother and I, we were known spillers at the dinner table uh, with milk or water or whatever it might ha have been. And so when you spill something, uh, you never uh, tip over a glass and get it back up with 80% still in it. It's gone. It's across the table. Sinking fan uh, that sinking feeling that occurs. And that's the idea. Pour it all out. Spill all of it out uh, to God. And God will never, ever interrupt us as we do that. He'll never cry out, TMI, too much information, stop, get to the point. He knows we need to go through the process. And, and, and it's important uh, for us. And so, uh, to, to lift it up to Him. And this prayer that Paul talks about here, it's not mindless prayer. Okay, I'm going to go to God, and then I'm really anxious right here, and so I offer Him a five-second prayer. It's mindless. Uh, it's ineffectual, you know, and, and I say, all right, well, now I claim the promise. I check that off of the list. And now he's talking here about a living, believing uh, prayer in our lives, a living, believing conversation with the living God. That's what he's talking about here, where a real engagement uh, occurs between uh, us and God. And as we pour our hearts uh, out to uh, the Lord and pour out our minds, everything in our minds concerning the situation, the wonderful thing that happens is at some point, he enters the conversation. 
At first, it seems like we're just talking to ourselves. We know better, but it feels like that. And then at some point in pouring out our hearts, he enters the conversation. The wonderful counselor enters into the conversation that we're having with him uh, in, in prayer. And he begins to participate in the conversation in the way that any counselor would. And pretty soon, our thoughts are be ta- being taken over here and over there in order that we might see our situation in a, a larger context or with a different perspective, or he will bring verses to our minds or biblical incidents to our minds that when we look at it and thought, if I had a hundred years to think of that verse, I could have never thought of that verse. God has entered in and is engaged in this prayer, and He is guiding me and speaking to me about uh, what it is that I'm uh, concerned about. And, uh, and that conversation will then go on between us and the Lord until uh, we experience His peace about the situation. We see all of this on full display in the Psalms. It's not like, it's not like something that is unknown to us or, or odd in the Bible. So you see the psalmist, he begins 90% of the psalms. He begins the psalm and he is worried. He is worried about himself. He is worried about some kind of a situation that he, uh, he is in. And he begins the psalm so often with this intense hand-wringing, and he keeps talking to God and talking to God about his worrisome uh, circumstance and all of the ill effect that it's having upon him. I mean, the psalms, he really pours his heart out uh, to the Lord. And the psalm goes on and it goes on, and then there's that point in the psalm where you see the exchange occur. You see where God imparts His peace to the psalmist in exchange for His anxiety. And how we know that that has happened in the course of that, uh, that psalm and that exchange is that now the psalmist no longer sees his problem solely in the light of himself and his own resources. Now he sees it in the light of God's resources, and then the psalm closes on a triumphant uh, uh, note. Sometimes people wonder, well, how long do you pray uh, uh, in, in this way? Well, we pray in this way until the exchange occurs until my anxiety is replaced with his peace. And so often we want a formula, but not all circumstances are the same. Not every psalm is the same length. Not every circumstance is the same and not every person, even in the same circumstances someone else is in, is the same. It's utterly unique. And so we engage in this prayer uh, in, until, uh, until this exchange occurs. I remember an illustration I heard uh, long ago, and it's been very helpful to me uh, through the years in this regard in terms of getting my mind around it a little bit. And, and it goes like this. 
Uh, years ago, in the uh, early days of, uh, of aviation, there was a pilot who was making a, a trip uh, around the world, a smaller plane, and he'd been to, uh, gone uh, from uh, one particular site some two hours from his last landing field. And as he's uh, at the, uh, the control of the plane, uh, he heard a noise in his plane, and he recognized it as the gnawing of a rat. And, and he realized that while he had been landed at the last uh, location, that a rat had come on board. And, and uh, for all he knew as he hear, is hearing that gnawing, uh, the rat is gnawing through some vital cable uh, that controls the plane. And so very, very serious situation. He's concerned, he's anxious, obviously. At first he didn't know what to do. He's two hours out from his last place that, that he took off from, two hours away from his, his destination uh, at the next field. And then he remembered that the rat is a rodent. And, and as a rodent, it's not made for the heights. It's made to live on the ground, to live under the ground. And so the pilot began to climb in altitude, he went up a thousand feet, then another thousand and another until he was more than 20,000 feet up. And then after a time, the gnawing ceased and the rat was dead. Uh, the rat couldn't survive in the atmosphere of those uh, heights. And then when the pilot landed the plane two hours later, he searched it and found the dead rat and he ridded the plane uh, of that uh, rat. And so, uh, worry is a rat. It's a destructive thing in our lives. And the only thing uh, that kills it is to take that worry into an altitude that that rat can't survive. To take my problem up into the heavenlies, up into that atmosphere, that rarefied uh, atmosphere of faith until that worry uh, dies at that, that elevation. And, uh, and, uh, and that has been a great word picture for me in terms of in prayer and the length of time that it takes in order for this to happen, but what will happen. And so worry, it has a, an Achilles heel. It has a weakness that we are so often unaware of, but God is never unaware of it. Uh, and that is, it can't survive the elevations that prayer takes us into. He said God will then set uh, that peace up as a guard in our hearts and our minds. Why would he set a peace up in our hearts and in our minds? Because those are the two great fountainheads of worry and every one of our, uh, our lives. So he said, I'm gonna set up a peace in the very sources of your worry, uh, beyond the circumstances uh, in, in your life. And when he says to set up a guard, it's a military term uh, and uh, for a, a detachment of soldiers that are detached to, um, to dispatched rather, to, uh, to protect something that is, is valuable. So God not only promises us peace, gives us peace, but then he's going to protect that peace uh, in our, our lives. Uh, the church in Philippi would have understood this. They were a Roman colony. They, they had all kinds of Roman soldiers uh, there within the city who were dispatched regularly to protect 
uh, valuable things within, uh, within the colony. And so God is saying, you see those Roman soldiers all over the place, the guards that protect you from attack from without, from attack from, uh, from within to keep the peace in Philippi. I'll protect your heart and mind in the same way if you, as you respond to worry uh, in, in this way uh, of, of through prayer, just talking with me uh, about it. Now, this doesn't mean that we will be worry-free for the rest of our lives as a result of, of one prayer. Because uh, when the next worry comes up, or a variation of the old worry, then we need to take that to prayer to the Lord as well, and to experience uh, that great exchange to occur uh, once, uh, once again. And so people wonder, how often do I need to do this uh, uh, as often as we need to? Sometimes you'll see the directions on a, some kind of a product, repeat as needed. And that's exactly the, the truth related to this. And it's God's offer to us. He puts no limits on how many times we can approach Him about these, these things. And so... As we conclude here, of course, worry and anxiousness are, uh, they are mutually exclusive from uh, peace and, and from uh, joy. And because there are so many causes for worry in life, we have to learn to protect our joy uh, through prayer. But there, there are so many things like this in the Bible where uh, verses 6 and 7 here, God provides us with a solution to a problem. He provides us uh, for the solution to worry. He gives us the power uh, to do it. But only we can decide whether we will put it into practice. We make that decision. And I think the sad fact of the matter is, is that this verse uh, one of the most memorized verses among Christians in all of the Bible. Uh, this verse can be a very well-known verse to a Christian and never be put into practice. And what we do instead is we settle into what we consider to be a manageable level of worry and anxiety in our lives. And as long as we can manage in that place, whatever the cost to our joy or peace, then that's where we settle in. And as long as it doesn't redline on us, then we're content to live uh, that kind of life even as a Christian. And it's to confess that I know what God says here, but I would rather live a life of worry and try to address my problems on my own than to do what God prescribes here, than to uh, pray to God as He calls for us to do here. And then we settle into that kind of a place. And when worry is something that becomes, as we said, a long-term or a characteristic of our 
Christian life, then it means for me as a Christian that I look at my worry and I say, my worry is no fun, but it's better than praying about it. I'd rather live with my worry than to do what God calls me to do right here. We would never say it out loud, but we will live it. And we'll live it for months, and we'll live it for years, and we'll live it for decades. And there's no need for that to happen. And I say it pointedly because it needs to be said so that we don't settle into that kind of a place. And then worry if we take that uh, view that, no, I'd rather worry than be praying to God like uh, he, he calls me to here, then worry is just allowed to continue to do its very crippling work in our lives. Emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, the world is a witness to the damage uh, of worry and anxiousness uh, today. It's far better to respond to all of this by saying, Lord, by your grace, I ask you to just make me aware of worry and anxiousness in my heart and my mind immediately, and then remind me to take this issue to you uh, in prayer, and he will do it. And Paul, almost anticipating doubt in some of our minds related to it, in verse 9, he says, is he speaking about this issue as well? He said, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. He says, you saw me do this very thing, and you saw the fruitfulness. You saw that it, this works in, in, in my life. And Paul testifies to it. Uh, it works. You've seen it, its effect in my life. And anyone who will practice this will end up attesting to uh, the, the fact that it does work, that it is effectual in our lives in the way that God uh, promises. And so very invaluable instruction concerning something that is always endeavoring to uh, uh, plague our lives. And God here meets it, this anxiousness and worry, with uh, something that is productive in meeting it, and in fact, the only thing that is productive in it. What invaluable, invaluable uh, instruction. God loves us. He doesn't want us to live a life of worry. He knows we live in it. He has compassion on us. He knows that we're but dust, the Bible says. Uh, He walked this earth. He understands what we're in the middle of. And he loves us, and he doesn't want us to live that that kind of a life and have uh, have that destructive influence within our lives. And this is the way that it, it can change. Let's stand together, and we'll close in prayer. Father, I think all of us are very uh, familiar with the anxiousness and the worry side of of life and the attack that it is upon us and upon our health in so many different ways. And we just just get that. It's very, very clear on that. And we thank you that you have provided us with something here 
that now meets that in a way that it addresses it effectively in our lives. And we thank you for this instruction. And Lord, I pray for my own life. And we pray for one another here today that to the degree that we have settled into a life of just coping or attempting to manage worry in some other way, that by your Holy Spirit, not by virtue of a sermon, but by your Holy Spirit, you would convict us of that, of, of living that way, and then take us by the hand and walk us out of it into this new way so that we can know your peace and your joy in a world that is filled with causes for worry. And that we might not only be free of those things, but that we might be able to properly represent you the way that we want to in this world that we live before all of those that we love and care about who are watching our lives. We pray for this work of your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.